1: Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Good morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Uh, before we get into it, Jason, I wanted to mention, I squeezed it into our last episode, but a uh, quick announcement that I'm going to be doing a talk for this summit. It's called Archie Mentors Summit. Yep. Um, it's come, It's happening actually right now this week. There's, I think, 18 speakers overall of a lot of people that are kind of big in the social media scene that are architects, interior designers, um Trying to think if there's anyone outside of that scope. I think that's the majority of the people that are speaking, but um talking about kind of how they've gone through their career and gotten to where they are now and uh different tips and things that you may not learn in school. All these people are sharing different things. Um and my talk is uh this Saturday on October thirtieth. It's actually pre-recorded, so I've already taking care of it. (laughs) Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, But it will be shown this Saturday. Super cool. Uh, So if you're interested in that, uh, we'll put a link in our show notes as well. And with that link, you should also just go and check it out this week. Uh, I think there were three presentations today. And if you register, you have like for the lowest package, which may not be free anymore, but you have 24 hours to see any previous presentations. And then you can watch the rest of them throughout the week. Mine was on six intangible traits for tangible success. And There's I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so in our, in our episode next week, I want to sort of do a revisitation. And then me and you can talk about those traits that, that I shared and get your thoughts on yeah. on those. But today, I wanted to talk about project scheduling. And this is right at the top of mind for me right now. I'm going through a few projects that we're scrambling to get done. And <laughs> we, we talked off mic about how I think many architects, if not all, have this thing, this like artistic DNA that I think you really want to see your project finished and come to fruition and you want it to be good mm-hmm. and uh, tend to overextend and do more than you agree to do which ultimately screws up all of your upcoming work as far as the schedule wise and you end mm-hmm. up burning uh the candle at both ends trying to get all this stuff done um so this is one of the things that I'm struggling with right now of trying to how do you rein that in something that's just baked into your personality when someone's like how do we get this done you're the one to raise your hand and <laughs> so, yep. and I know you have this too uh with with your work of raising your hand to get things done
0: yep it's kind of it's kind of like college isn't it like when you did a group project (laughs) there was you know the one or two people in the big group that like really like couldn't stand failing or whatever and they got saddled with all the you know they're picking up the slack for everybody else like it never changes yeah i mean you know you have your i talk with my wife about that all the time like it's either it's either you're a doer or you're not you know what I mean? And no matter what, like the burden of finishing things or the burden always falls on those people. And I don't know if it falls on it. There's always been that question of, are, are we the ones that just take it up? Do you want is it? it? <laughs> yeah. Or does it fall on us? And I think it's a little bit of both probably um, because your your performers are going to perform yeah, and your clients tend to push on the people they know that can perform to kind of get things across the finish line. And I've seen that happen in a lot of different places too, with, with both the companies um, they're like pushing us to get something like extraordinarily out of the realm done because we've done it before. And they just know that these other guys are like, ah, pound's hand. Like I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's right or wrong or if uh, that's a, uh, a blessed position to be in, mm-hmm. which makes you more desired. You know what I mean? For those things, but man, it makes for a lot of headaches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things you, you, you know, you can be that person, but you also have to have the the bravery to go ahead and ask for compensation for that. Yeah. Which, um, you know, I was initially having an issue with. I just wanted to get it done to, to move the project along.
0: But for you, for your vision, right?
1: Yeah. But it's like getting to a point where it's like, okay, I need to get some compensation because I'm hurting myself on the back end and you know, having to stay up later and all this other stuff. So I think that having the um, awareness and bravery to to ask for compensation is
0: a big one if you're going to do that. Yeah, I think, you know, the funny thing is, but I don't know if the compensation s- solves the problem. It makes, <laughs> yeah. us, it makes us feel better. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, at least, you know, it makes it, you know, quote unquote worth it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily the answer because I've done that as well you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, I mean, look at the environment, you know, having the opportunity to run a couple of companies, like I'm, I'm paid well, you know, does anybody ever think they're paid perfectly? Of course not, um, you know, if it's not, if it's not you signing the check, you probably always think you're worth a little bit more, right? Yeah. But just because you can and you get compensated for it, is that the right thing? You know what I mean? And you're really burning the wick at both ends. I kind of sound like you, I think, when we, when we used to talk, right? Yeah. And, um, and uh, so, you know, I don't know if that makes it okay, So I would say, you know, there was a big change dynamic in my mind about being paid for value,
2: Hmm.
0: not being paid. Um, So I wanna be paid and I want people to be paid by the value they bring. So the more you create value, the more you get paid. I think that's really what, it's actually what the market really does, right? Yeah. Um, And ultimately I think what I really figured out in learning all that was the power of no. And, and stating, you know, I was kind of surprised. I started doing this a couple of years ago where it was like, look, like when I thought something was just extraordinarily insane. And if I said yes to it, I was going to set myself up to potentially fail. Like yeah. it was going to be a stretch. And then they're like, well, you said you could do it. I'm like, no, I said, look, you can try, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we can try, you know, to, to finally come back. someone and go, that's not going to happen. And, and when I would come back and I would say, that's not going to happen. I would say, here's what we can do. Here's what I can guarantee you. Right. So we go back to like project scheduling that's a stretch. I don't think that's going to happen, but here's what I can promise you. If we can do better, we'll do better. Yeah, You know what I mean? And I would, I would argue that sets you up for much more success, but the ability to be able to say, no, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And for them to receive that was also built on the last 15 years of experience together and going, okay, when this guy says it can be done, it can get done. When this guy says it can't be done, it probably can't be done. You yeah. know what I mean? Even though they pulled out a, you know, a Hail Mary every so often or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, So I don't, you know, I think, I think there's some of that respect that comes into it, that the only way you're going to get to that position to be able to tell a client <laughs> no is when they know that you know what you're doing and you're not just saying it because you don't feel like it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I, I think there's that balance almost like a career where, you have to you you know i know california law makes it so hard but like you have to put in the extra time and the extra hours to create that value and that worth and show the team that you're you're in it to win it right mm-hmm. and then later on you can start to redefine the boundaries a little bit where it's more based on value as opposed to volume you yeah. know what i mean Every everybody needs to pull their own weight but it doesn't it's not like the it's not like the lawyer movie where they got to show they're putting in 16 hours every day you know that kind of thing that starts to change right with the mm-hmm. experience and the respect so I, I think you have to be careful there, but that big thing to me became learning how to say no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, and it's not, no, it's just, it's, yeah. I always say provide an out or provide a solution. Right. So it's like, okay, well, no, that's not going to work. However, I know we can, we do can this. do this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the key. People don't want to hear no, especially when they're willing to pay you, mm-hmm. they want to hear what what can happen you know or what we can make happen given the set of circumstances with which they're dealing Mm -hmm. yeah because
1: everybody has an expectation of or an idea of what they want but they may not know what is actually involved so it needs you as the expert to explain yes that's not possible because of this uh but this is possible right to highlight and and educate them possibly Right. right now when i was I'm in this transition where you have your business running a little bit and it's uh-huh. it's doing okay. Now it's time to shift into improving it and making it really run in a profitable business. Yeah. And I was listening to um one of our other podcasts on Gable Media um Build Smart. With uh, is a former CEO of HOK, a big architecture firm, and he outlines his growth from a junior designer to CEO, all within one company, over 50 years. And, over uh, 50
0: years? 50 years. Okay, I think that's important for people to hear. All right, yeah. keep going.
1: And he talks about, uh, uh, at one point, as he was shifting, I think, from a COO into the CEO role he took he he basically shifted the the business of the firm into into a more business-minded company and he had uh some uh rules of thumb for financial and kind of business metrics that he called the I think it was the 50-90-10 rule
0: sure
1: I don't want to botch the 50-90-10 yeah 50-40-10 uh no I think it was 59 it's 50-90 and I think the 50 had to do with compensation for staff. So you had to expect 50% or less of your gross income going to staff compensation. If it increased above 50%, you either had to let staff go or bring in more work. The 90 was any outstanding receivables beyond 90 days were considered a loss on the books. Hmm. And then the 10 is applicable to what we're talking about today. Of uh, you needed to have a 10 month backlog of projects yeah. and I'm trying to think like as I move forward and structure things and with this in mind of trying to target 10 months of backlog, it's extremely important to stick to my scheduling and not budge outside because it screws up everything else your your pipeline of work but with that said is that possible in our industry to the, the the nature of our industry how things come up that just are unexpected um you know things go wrong in the field or or you run into a plant checker that's just much more difficult uh than something else is it possible to stick as hard as you can to a schedule like that
0: you know i hate what i'm about to say i don't think it is hmm. and the only reason why is because even as we're going through like business plan for the coming year right all all of our partners say we're gonna do x and this is how it's gonna roll out and here's where the units look like they'll be coming and blah blah, blah. it's a beautiful plan Right. Mm -hmm. Like all of them have all their stuff. And of course they always use the term even flow, which is garbage. Just don't even do it. Right. (laughs) The idea is wonderful, but it never happens. And I think because there's so many other market drivers, at least in the, in the new home market, that you really fall prey to that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, whether it's a supply chain shortage, like we're dealing with right now, or it's a labor shortage, which we're also dealing with right now, or there's fear of an economic collapse coming. You know what I mean? Like whatever that is, or all of a sudden the economy's flying. So they go, instead of doing hundred homes this month, we want to do 150, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Which then strains out the labor and the supply and every, right. And all this kind of stuff and forces movement. I think because we don't, control the market, which you never really do. I think that control is always an illusion, Mm -hmm. but at least in our environment where you're not selling a widget, that's like, that's just a perishable good. Um, I don't think you can.
2: Hmm.
0: So I think the best thing that you can do is you can plan for whatever the supposed outcome is. I would say plan plus, you know what I mean? Which Mm -hmm. is hard. Um, Run lean for good reason. That way, when you do hit the dips, you're not, you're not having to hack a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. fat but everybody can take a maybe a little bit of a breath you know what i mean like that kind of thing otherwise you're going to miss yeah you know what i mean so i don't i don't know at least in our industry if that's really that positive if you're just building you know building a consumer good aside from the fact that okay if the economy collapses people are going to spend money for the most part you can determine how you're going to do that and what that's going to look like right and how much <laughs> you're going to bring out and you sign a new account and you can stymie me that tide a little bit but when you have a market that's dictated by so many different emotional responses. I I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like it's a totally emotional response market. I don't know if you really can, Hmm. you know, I used to, and, and that's why I'm saying. I hate saying that because my operational brain and my business brain is like, look, I can build a plan and I can do this and that, and I can say, we're going to do this then, and we're going to do this then. And I need this much here and I need, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like you should be able to do that. But then really what that is, is me, I'm only saying how I'm going to meet, the market demand. I don't think we can determine, I know we can't determine what the market's going to do. Mm-hmm. can't, you know yeah. what I mean? So in our environment, at least, and that's really my understanding of business, right? And where it comes from, I, at this point, I don't think we can. I think you need to be able to roll with the tides. Yeah. You know? um, I,
1: I think you can get close into getting rid of the I mean, and this is if everyone started to think this way, (laughs) but get rid of the unnecessary stops and starts of, and we've mentioned this before, but I've done work where developers in particular, you know, they have someone that starts the project on their team and they get the architects going and the process is going along. And then all of a sudden they bring in the purchasing person and then the purchasing person looks at all the specs, and they're like, "Oh, we need these specs. Let's change all of this." Mm-hmm. So then you're changing things, and then they bring in a few weeks later. They bring in the construction person, and then they're I mean, that's not start- work. yeah. So yeah. then they're changing things, yep. and there's this constant like back and forth, and that really kind of screws up your scheduling there. Yeah, I think if you, and this goes with whether you're. Clients, a developer, or just a single homeowner. If you can be very upfront and ask all of those questions, and just like keep pushing, just keep pushing as hard as you can, all of those questions up front. I think you help yourself on the back end on a scheduling front because you avoid some of that stop and start. Which, yeah. I which I think for me now, I'm trying to develop a list basically of those questions to ask. long list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I worked for one firm that had a long list and it went through the entire spec list of what types of tubs, what types of lighting, what types of all of that stuff. And it, the the problem with that though, that I will admit is that it's overwhelming for, for a client.
0: I I can, I can say the same thing. Like we have this, what we call like an implementation program. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, overall, like organization and implementation, like administration is not my strength, right? Mm-hmm. Like a hundred percent, it's not my strength. Um, I can get you 80% of the way there, but like that part's not me, right? Yeah. And so the team put together what we call is a really good program, which is like this simple, which does the same thing you're talking about. And so I've been fighting it for years because I'm <laughs> like, if I'm going to go into a new client that we've just signed, and I'm going to ask them all these questions, which are certainly repetitive in certain nature, and you're probably not going to have all the people in the room that you need to be able to answer those questions, like, they're going to hate us before we even start. (laughs) Like, that's how it feels, right? And so I trust me, I feel your pain on that. It's necessary. Yeah. But you know, there's got to be a more fluid or uh, user friendly way to get it done. Something something to that effect, right? But it's ideally, it makes perfect sense. Like, you know, I'd support that all day long.
1: Yeah. So my approach is sort of that same, go in that same route, but mm-hmm. trying to simplify it because it was super technical the way, I mean, technical to someone that's outside of the the industry or yeah. doesn't see all of that stuff yeah. all the time. Um, but simplifying it as much as possible to the critical items and, uh, and some of the other stuff can be figured out or detailed in the field, uh, to some extent. So absolutely, I think removing that, uh, that barrier and that stop and start is a big part. And, um, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, sometimes it's just the nature of our industry. It's going to be a little bit bumpy. So try to build that 10 month backlog, but also have those buffers in between the stops and starts of projects because something yeah. will go wrong.
0: You have to look like, um, I know it's hard and a lot of people don't understand, but you know, to your 10 month backlog, if you're not moving forward, like I know it's such a cliche thing, but if you're not moving forward and I'm not saying you have to sprint, I'm not saying you have to run. I'm not saying you have to walk. You can freaking crawl if you need to, <laughs> if you're not moving forward, you will go backwards. And I know even you and I have talked about this idea, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen it when people get complacent or they say, okay, I have enough for now. I need to focus on whatever you go backwards because something inevit- inevitably goes wrong or somebody else gets a foothold in your market or whatever it is. And it comes back to the idea of, you know, if you have to hire people to keep certain things going, you need to do that mm-hmm. because you need to continue marching forward. And so that backlog is huge. And so don't forget if it's a 10 month backlog, that means you're working on it every single subsequent month. Yeah. Right. Like it's not just like, okay, I got 10 months and you know, now I'm chill. No. Cause all of a sudden now you got nine and I got eight. And, and if you, and if you weren't working on, on continuing that, I look for like at least a year and a half or two years, just because that's how projects build out, right? In in our industry. If you're not constantly doing what I call as keeping irons in the fire, you're gonna lose. But the crazy part is if you if you focus on doing that from a development standpoint every single year, I'm telling you, at least for us, my my opinion was always two or three new accounts a year. Yeah. That was a that was a sustainable, solid, projectable growth. You know, it's not gonna explode. You know, I mean, the sizes of the accounts change that a little bit, but it's not going to explode to where it's uncontrollable and it's not menial to where it's like, you didn't really do anything. And if you lose an account, heaven forbid, which is going to happen at some point, now you're really digging out and and you have a different deal. So um, you need to be adding every, keep an iron in the fire, keep an iron in the fire, keep an iron in the fire consistently, you know, make those calls and make those introductions because you never know when they're going to pop. And there's some things look like there's some accounts I've been working on for years that finally come to fruition. You know what I mean, for whatever reason, but it was just one of those irons that's always in the fire. You know yeah. what I mean? And and so it's it's important. That 10 month or year or whatever it is, keep pushing it. Keep pushing it for sure.
1: Yeah. The purpose of this conversation wasn't to really get into the weeds of uh how to plan your project schedule, but um one of the courses that I took was uh PSMJ, which is uh project management training specifically for the AEC industry. Um, that I would recommend looking into. A lot into. of acronyms,
0: buddy. What is all that? <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know what their thing stands for, but okay. it's PSMJ is the training uh, program. And AEC is Architecture, Engineering, and Construction. That's us. Uh, so um, that's a, a good resource to, to get some training as far as project management goes. And they're talking to, about scheduling specifically. Um, a lot of resources that they have there. So, uh, but thank you for the conversation, Jason. Yeah. Thank you to the listeners for listening. And we will talk again on Thursday. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways, for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon.